Greetings, friends. I'm Will Nicholas from Never Odd or Even, and this is the Deep Faith Nine podcast, exploring faith and fiction. Deep Space Nine. It's a wonderful reflective moment. Flame the dark. True salt wave. Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine. What's going on? Why is this being highlighted? That itself is another interesting question, isn't it? I think I'm starting to get why this science fiction thing is uh, <laughs> uh, is so attractive. You'll, you'll make a sci-fi fan out of me yet. Greetings, friends. This is Will Nicholas, and this is the Deep Faith Nine podcast. And today we're going to be looking at the uh, two-part episode uh, in season three called Past Tense, part one and part two. Uh, it's an exciting uh, time-traveling episode. Uh, and as we normally do, I'm just going to give you the synopsis. So the Defiant has arrived at Earth, and Cisco, Bashir, and Dax are beamed to the surface where they will address the Starfleet Symposium in San Francisco on the situation of this Gamma Quadrant. But they never arrive. O'Brien has no idea what happened, and the logs show that they definitely arrived in San Francisco, but, Sam, but there is no record of their arrival. Meanwhile, the three find themselves in San Francisco, but in the year 2024. Uh, that must have seemed like a far distant future uh, in 1994 when this uh, episode was produced, um, but only two years away from our, or three years away from our current position in 2021. They have no idea, uh, no ID, and Bashir and Cisco are arrested and put into a concentration camp like Sanctuary, Sanctuary District. While the two try to find their way back, Cisco notices it's only days before major riots break out in the district a pivotal moment in Earth's history. Meanwhile, Dax is picked up by Chris Brinner, a businessman uh, into social media and communications, and he takes her to his home where she starts to search for Bashir and Cisco. This is a, a, a fascinating episode, um, movie length with its uh, double double episode, uh, time travel, sci-fi, um, uh, lots of techno babble, but also a lot for us to talk about in terms of sociology, theology, and philosophy. And to help me with that today, I've got Sione Heapoto, uh, who is a candidate for the Minister of the Word uh, in the Uniting Church uh, here in Melbourne, uh, and uh, member of the uh, Tongan Uniting Church, uh, and um, and and very involved in a number of different areas of uh, music ministry. Um, uh, welcome to the podcast, Sioni. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's uh, uh, great to have you on for the first time. And one of the things that I always do for first timers is I ask the question: uh, When did you first start watching Deep Space Nine, Sioni? <laughs> uh... When you asked me, <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, but, yeah, I'm actually happy that I watched it because now I'm intrigued to, you know, check out the rest of the um, seasons and that. So it's good. Yeah, it's good. We, I've been doing uh, Deep Space Nine now um, since the beginning. Uh, so this is uh, partway through season three we're in now. Uh, and um, I'm, I've had a number of people say to me that it's, the podcast is, is quite a good companion to it. So some people are watching the episodes and then listening to the podcast and mm. uh, enjoying the connections uh, in theology. Um, so out of what you've just seen, did you did you have a favourite character or, or uh, what, what kind of science fiction uh, are you into or is, you know, in, in general? Um, 
not a massive like follower of science fiction in general, but I do watch it, you know. But um, my favorite character in these two episodes, um, obviously, that's all I have to go by at the moment. So, but Bashir, Bashir the Doctor, um, simply for the fact that he's like he's got just a great heart, actually, like just and he's also like naive to. And a little in in senses because, you know, he just questions, um, you know, like he's like he's like like me. Sometimes I'm confused as to why things are the way they are. So, but yep. at the same time, he can understand. But um, yeah, mainly for how how much he has to give. So yeah, he's my favorite characters at the moment. And he, he he does ask that really great question at the end. You know, Commander, having seen a little of the twenty first century, there is one thing I don't understand. How could they have let things get so bad? And, and you know, I have to say when I watch the news in 2021, you know, and I see, uh, see um, uh, sh- shootings uh, in America um, and we see the Black Lives Matter um, movement there and we see, we hear about uh, uh, Aboriginal deaths in custody here in Australia. Um, you know, there, there, there is this sense in which you do have to scratch your head sometimes and say, how is it that we... We as human beings actually are, are so capable of treating each other so badly. And it's weird because he, uh, on the on the first one of the main one of the one of the lines that he says is like, you know, causing people to suffer because you are, um, because you hate them is terrible, but causing people to suffer because you do not care, is hard to understand. And yeah, I was like, poor, right. that is so true. Like it's it's. I I couldn't I don't I don't know how to ex- even explain that. In our world today, we just have so many forgotten people, don't we? We you know we we're able to live our lives, um, and there is this really interesting, profound gap. This wall around the sanctuary district um, allows that contrast to exist. Where you've got uh, it was really clever writing where they 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 had Jadzia Dax go off with the rich people yeah. um and they're all they're all completely oblivious they've got their own opinions about what's going on and almost ignorant about what's going on and then then you've got um Cisco and Bashir actually um you know a, a amongst the the sanctuary residents so there's this really interesting um separation between the two two cultures yeah massive and it's just um you can even actually like even in our society now, you know, you can even ask, you know, what what part of our society is sanctuary A? You know, like where is where where's that big wall that we tend to put up and we forget about um, in our world today? So, and you can even also ask it about in the church too. You know, what is it that the church, you know, seems to forget or seems to put up a wall? Um, you know. Uh, I had this other line that I remember from it. It's like, oh, I think it was uh, Dax that said it when she was like asking, um, what's that guy that that took her in? Um, uh, his name was um, Brinner, Chris oh, Brinner. Chris Brinner, that's him. And she asked him, well, you know, why is like, why are they in there? Like, why do sanctuary? Why does it even exist? And he says to help people. And then she asks the question, goes, well, if it's to help people, why is there a wall around it? Why is there a wall? <laughs> yeah. Yep. And 
I found the character of Chris Brinner really fascinating. As I was listening to him talk about how he was, you know, he's having this whole conversation with her as of, oh, obviously you've heard of me, kind of. He's he's kind of, <laughs> you know, very well known. And I and I kind of thought to myself, ah, oh, so so it's 2021. You know, um, Jadzia Dax has appeared in. In, in, in on the streets of the United States of America, um, who has she met? She's met uh, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> um, so this this Chris Brinner is like Mark Zuckerberg. You know, he's the head of this massive corporation that is about information technology. Um, so yeah, it, it, that was kind of interesting that she's she's um, she's connected to somebody of such significance. Yeah, the Mark Zuckerberg actually. Yeah, that makes sense now. Um. What did you think of? Um, we'll stay with uh, with uh, Chris Brenner, Mark Zuckerberg. We'll call him uh, um, at the moment. Um, uh, how close do you think they got in 1994 at estimating where we might be? Um, I mean, they were certainly talking about online. There was certainly some reference to social media. Um, what were your thoughts as you were watching the tech? Oh, how close did they get to? Well, we're not far off, actually. Um, we're not far off from the year. But then I think, I think what they've they've displayed is the it's the extreme part of of what society is at the moment. Like I be, like I I believe that there are um, like what happens in our world, you know, reality now is similar to what happens at Sanctuary A, but just in a in a more nicer way, in a very pretty way. You know, it's masked very well. Um, but it exists, and we've definitely forgotten about it. But I think they're either they're it's it's close to not in not in that such a bad term. But I, I reckon if you go to another country or um, you know a third world um, country, then you know maybe it's a bit more extreme where you know um, the segregation from you know uh, the powerful, the rich, the you know the people that are, um, you know, uh, what's the word? You know the ones that ah. Anyways, um, but yeah, I think they're pretty. They're pretty close into how our world is today. So yeah, yeah. But just in the so as, I mean, they're very careful in this one yeah. to to stay. With socioeconomics, right. so they've separated, you know, people who have have money from people who don't. They they and one of the things I noticed that often happens with these kind of segregations is that people are depersonalized by being given names. So they had uh, names like Gimmies, Ghosts, mm. and Dims. Um, and and I mean, I think Dims was the one that most struck me in terms of. Um, Talking about disability uh, and mental health, um, that that uh, a lot of the people in Sanctuary A were there because they had mental health issues, and there were quite a number of scenes where they were walking past people who clearly um, should have been receiving higher higher levels of care in terms of mental health instead of just being left left to their own devices. Exactly, and you can even see it in um, uh, like in the housing. Um, department these days, um, what they like to do with housing commission and all that is they like to put them all into one bunch and one place, one, place, one suburb, um, specific suburbs to um, where they where they put them all there and instead of, and then they ask the question, why is it that, 
in this certain area there's more high crime rates and all that stuff but then you go well you have a provided them with a with a um environment that helps them to thrive that helps them to get better care and all that stuff so, and you've you know uh focus on them you focus them all in into this one spot and they all just you know working amongst each other but you know it's not um they're disadvantaged from the get-go you know so um yeah yeah, absolutely. And then there's one particular uh, young man, the guy in the hat, the ghost in the hat. Um, oh. He's very angry, um, and he he he's kind of he's he's the archetypal angry, um, disenfranchised person. He's just he just wants to hit someone. Yeah. Um, and and he's he's angry because of all the things that have happened in life. You put all of those angry people together in one place. Of course, it's, it's not surprising you end up with um. With, with 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 higher crime and violence and issues. But deep down that guy cared. Like he he did care and you can see you can see it when um when the the troops were about to infiltrate that building and yep. then you know the last thing he does is give away his hat to that to that guy's son, to Webb's son. Hey kid Yeah I thought so. Looks good on you. I get lost. What the hell? It's probably raining in Tasmania anyway. Yep. And, you know, it's just from there, that little thing that he does look towards, you know, a better future or next generation to thing. But he does care. He's just been full of anger for such a long time and, and, the, and the environment that he was put into had created that person. Yeah, and it was a touching moment. I, I, I kind of f felt for Webb's son who gets the hat, who now has to go on with his father being killed by yeah. institutional violence. So does he become... Uh, the next angry young man, um, yes. you know, or, or what do we hope for for him um, in relation to that? The, the, the passing of the hat was <laughs> certainly, a, a, I guess, a feeling of, of hopefulness, but yep. there was also, a, a, for me, a feeling of some some trepidation in relation to, you know, now he has to deal with his his dad has been killed by the by the by the the government. Yep, and that's the thing. Like um, I found in you know like. You get past the hat, but then you got you know pathways that you choose which way you go. Yep. And I feel like if you know if we are to do better, you know, and pass that hat on, you know, I guess you know the not not knowing which way um, that person would go, but or the future would uh, choose to walk. But it's that hope, as you said, you know, that he passed that hat on. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, as we mentioned just now, you know, the episode is very careful to stay on socioeconomic grounds. Um, but certainly in today's society, we see that that division is also based on on racial grounds. Um, you know, and uh, so I'm very interested to hear from you as as a as a um, a, a young Tongan Australian uh, man, how how you actually see that kind of institutional segregation um, in in Australian society today in 2021? Yep. Um, 
you know, to be honest, uh, like even even growing up, I was pretty fortunate. Like, to I actually grew up in an area where um it was very multicultural, so there was a lot of people, like a lot of people that that the same that look like me and are from you know origins of different places. You know, were in you know this this community. So I was very fortunate to. Uh, to just uh, not blend in, but like you know, I was um, I was comfortable enough with everybody because we were all different. So it's not until I stepped out of my own community and then I see sometimes little things where you know I was like, oh, I've never experienced that before, and then you realise that was you know racism. <laughs> so, um, but nowadays. I don't know if racism got bigger or it's or um you know or we got more racist I don't I don't know maybe it's the social media and the way that information um is quickly accessible and the way we connect with everybody on social media that it seems like it's all around us and it's like it's very subtle sometimes but now it's almost like, you know, with the whole, um, you know, uh, people left and versus right, it's it's like it's getting, like I feel like it's around me all the time. But you know, yep. not to, not for me personally, but you just see it a lot more. And compared to when I was a, a kid, like I almost had, I was ignorant to think that I was, uh, to say to think that. I'm just the same as the next person. I was, you know, but really we are different. But I just never saw that um, that hatred and racism on the scale that we see now. So I don't know. It's, uh, it's weird. As you mentioned before, there are subtly in our society today uh, not actual walls around the sanctuary yeah. A's, but actually these invisible walls in these areas. So so there's a sense in which we 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 do tend to there there are parts of uh, our society where, you know, you could think everyone is, uh, you know, well-dressed with a cocktail in their hand, uh, yeah. like like where Judzia went. And then there are other parts of society where, you know, the, 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 there's not enough room in housing and there's not enough services and resources. And, and it's, it's possible for those two groups not to see each other. Um, mm-hmm. And so both to actually be, feeling like their own experience is very normal until they actually cross paths. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, definitely, yeah, my own experience, you know, um, it's – and, you know, and I I see also, like, in the church still, you know, it's weird, like one of the places where you should feel more welcome that you see you still see racism there. And, it's, and, you know, I had experience and I was – I was gobsmacked because I was like, oh, I've never seen this before, but here it is, you know, it's those invisible walls that we have up there and then, you know, once you see through them, then it's just like, you know, it's a pretty dark place, but what do you do? You know, you pray about it. <laughs> yep. I'd love to unpack that. Um, can you say a little bit more about how you've encountered this inside the, the church? Yeah, so, like, you know, I, went, I had an experience out on a um, on a – you know, a leader's uh, gathering and, um, you know, there was just uh, this uh, woman made this comment um, directed to um, me and my friends who were also there. And we're all, we're all Tongan, 
and you know the the word was the the phrase was you know you people you know like and sort of uh, stereotyped um, you know this action um, that we people I mean us Tongans like you know we're this and that and so I had like I couldn't even respond um, like at that moment to her because we were literally all gobsmacked with like that even came out of um, that woman's mouth and at a leader's retreat, you know, in the yeah, in yeah. the church. So obviously like, you know, um, you know, the first thing is anger that a lot of the my friends felt, you know, they wanted um, that, you know, they wanted, you know, to get her or, you know, yell back at her or go, you know, whatever. And, you know, I said to them, I was like, you know, sleep on it because there's, you know, um, obviously um, she's just angry and tired. It was late at night. And then so the next day I actually um, went up to the um, to one of the uh, members uh, uh, in the uh, assembly, um, the ARU um, team members, and actually um, uh, put in a formal complaint about this person and just, you know, and he actually asked me, what what is it that I want from from this woman? Like, what is it that I want? And I said to and I said to him, I was like, oh, I, I don't really want anything. Like, you know, I don't I don't really want an apology. Actually, um, nothing from her whatsoever. I just want you guys to know that this exists, and that you guys are made aware of it. And then that and from there, actually, this made a an entire like dialogue out of it for this one of the sessions about uh, around racism in the church. Yep. And then um, later that night we had worship and, you know, it was high spirited and everything. And then I found the opportunity to actually find this woman um, amongst everyone. And actually I just gave her a big hug and just like, you know, all is good, you know, like, you know, even though what you did was wrong, you know, but I never said anything. I just said, I just gave her a big hug and that was it. And then she later on she came and apologised um, uh, for, you know, her remarks. Um, you know, it wasn't intentional, but, you know, it's, um, yeah, I don't know. But that was my first experience actually um, with racism in the church, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> and I laugh about it now, but, like, you know, back then it was like, whoa, that's massive, you know, like. And it's when we encounter that contrast that it can really take us by surprise yeah. because we, we actually kind of often do live in our worlds um, and and um, we we take for granted what's around us. Um, I, I found it was quite interesting to, to see the the, uh, the, the, the the guard from uh, Sanctuary A, um, the older one who was who was quite um, he was quite burnt out really. He was really just um, just angry himself um, about having to do the job that he was doing, and he 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 had very low expectations of the people inside the sanctuary. Um, and there's this one part where Cisco's saying to him, um, "You're not helping me to help you," you know, like yeah. it's, you know, <laughs> he, he, he he keeps being antagonistic and aggressive, yeah. and 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 so you know he's he's watching the man in the hat and the the security guard actually just having on this this collision course where where one of them is going to actually hurt or kill the other. Yeah. Um, and I found 
like, he was so frustrating to watch, actually, because, like, I was just like, dude, you actually are not helping anything. Yep. You're like, you're, you're just throwing more more wood into the fire, you know, you're just airing that, that flame. I'm just like, um, and you're right, he was burnt out to the point where he had just no no positivity left in him to and no constructive ways to even help anyone and to even care. You don't know what any of this is about, do you? You work here. You see these people every day, how they live, and you just don't get it. What do you want me to say? That I feel for them? That they got a bad break? And what good would it do? It would be a start. And, you know, but I think that little rattling from uh, Cisco sort of, you know, jumbled up his uh, wires and got him to, you know, reignite that um, that heart of his because then at the end, you know, you saw it come out and I was like, well, wow, that's, you know, that was like a, yeah, you know, fist on the on the heart. It's like, good work, mate. <laughs> In the end, Cisco takes a bullet for him. I mean, yeah. he's like, like it's kind of a, yeah, he, 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 um, I guess, I guess wins him over by being prepared to, sacrifice himself um uh, and that that changes his heart yeah but it's crazy the drastic measures that in this plot the drastic measures that they had to go through just to be heard yep and you know especially the negotiations with the uh with a cop lady um and she's like oh it will take time and then you know cisco's like oh it's a cisco or the other uh web i think maybe says um you know you've run out of time Yep. You know, it's like it's been going on too long, you know, and it's it's too late now for, you know, all these things. So you got to do better, you know, We're asking the governor to do better because it's just really like um, them just passing the buck onto the next person, onto the next person, stalling it, you know, just going through processes and red tapes and all that stuff. But, you know, it's the action but the uh, they just had to get violent to that to that to to get to that point just so they can be heard and that that uh, i mean i'll call it the center link scene um Mm. where they're sitting there and they're being processed you know anyone who's ever anyone who's ever had to go to Centrelink. yep uh, and look the reality is there are there are you know large portions of our society that have never been when i run across people who say i've never been to Centrelink, i kind of go Wow, um, would not understand that scene. They would see yeah. it as, oh, wow, that's outrageous. But the reality is, we have we have spaces like that um, um, in in our country here today in 2021, where there are rows and rows of seats. Fill out this form, go and sit over there. The yeah, line's not moving. There. Burnt out people, like the the lady who they did get an interview with. Um, using the language of dims, uh, gimmies and ghosts, you know, yeah. you know, she'd surrendered to the stereotypes. Yeah. Um, in 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 that 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 she she's also burnt out, you know, like that 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 the people working in facilitating these ghettos and these difficult places, uh, day in day out, come to face to face with the frustration that nothing's going to make any difference. Yeah, and I um. And 
about two years ago, I actually applied for a, a position as a um, as a youth worker in the um, in the Parkville Juvenile um, Detention Centre, and so I was um, I was telling one of my friends about I was a, I was going through the applications and the interviews, and then I'm I was waiting for a, my last interview. And she told me that her her stepfather and her mother actually worked in that center for many for over sixteen years, and um, and that I should talk to them, you know, before taking if I got through taking the job. So I spoke to them, and it was literally they said to me, "Sione, don't do it." I was like, "You will go in there with the best intentions to help those kids." but the system will not allow you to do your job. Yep. And I said to them, I was like, what do you mean? You guys love this. There is so much red tape and things that these kids actually need our help and there's ways that we can, um, as people, as human beings, can help each other, but the system and the processes don't actually allow you to be effective um, in your job. And all you get out of it is a broken heart and you get burnt out. And literally that's what they said to me, like cold blank. And it's, it scared me. I was just like, you know, they said to me, you, you walk out of there as a, with a smile on your face and you walk, uh, with, you just walk in there with a smile on your face and you walk out um, feeling angry and disappointed and just tired and over it. And, and, you don't, and like sometimes you don't care. And that's yep. uh, and that's what this guy, um, my friend's stepfather, told me, told me to my face. Um, certainly, the times where I've done youth work and and street youth work, you know, you can do it for a couple of years, yeah. and then what I've found is you need to get out for a bit. You need to get yeah. away um, because because it is as Cisco so eloquently says a number, not Cisco, um, Bashir says so eloquently a couple of times in this episode. There is a helplessness in this. There is a, there is a, a like a, um, a, a, a lament here that says, um, how do we let this happen? Why can't we do something about this? And yet, everyone is kind of trapped in a system that that holds it in place. Um, and some people are doing really well out of that system because of where they were born and who they are and the color of their skin. And other people are actually locked into a system where they actually can't escape. Yeah. And they need the help. Yep. It's like uh, it's like uh, Cisco was answering um, Bashir's question. Oh, no, answering his statement. And it's like he said to him, um, "It's not like they don't give a damn, but they've just given up. They've given up, you know." And um, and then he goes on to say, "The social problems they face is is too seems too enormous to deal with." Yep. And my question would be like, do are we there? Like, do we do we think that these the problems that we are going through seem too big to deal with? Yeah. Yep. Well, and and I often think about that in relation to First Nations people. You know, mm. like so so there are there are people who have had no contact, no no relationship with First Nations people at all, um, who who um will believe and hold views about them that actually um, are, are extremely racist. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, there's a sense in which, you know, that 
the, the certainly successive governments in Australia have actually been unwilling to engage with uh, questions about how we recognise uh, First Nations people in the constitution. Um, and, and likewise, the issue with refugees, also in a too hard basket, let's put it off to the side, let's keep it outside our borders. Yeah. So there's a, there is a sense in which, um, in some, of the, some ways, as a society, we have given up on trying to resolve some of these issues. And there it is. Like, like, it, like Australia has a long history of just brush, brushing things under the carpet and out of sight, out of mind, and then forget, like pretending to forget about it. And we still see that today, as you said, with the immigration, you know, put it outside of our borders because then if it's there, we don't have to deal with it directly in our face where we see it, you know, it's out there, it's not here, you know. But um, we do that with the First Nations people, you know, uh, we use things just to prop it up and say, oh, here they are, but then we don't actually do anything. We don't actually do anything to help them. You know, we, a lot of the times, even in the church, with like, you know, um, with our, multi, like, you know, uh, as a multicultural church, as we state, you know, we pretty much just use our cultures um, like in our different cultures within the church as tokenism just to say look here this is you know the Tonga Samoans or Vietnamese or the Sudanese and that they're here they're here we're they're in the church but really that's all it is it's just a show but you know everywhere else is governed by you know and other and old white people white old men yeah yeah how does it make you feel when I mean I, I look I I spent some time living in the Solomon Islands, mm-hmm. um, and I know that singing and dancing is very big a very big part of Pacific culture, um, but but there does seem to me sometimes especially as a church that we we seem to be only interested in our our Tongan and Samoan brothers and sisters when it's time for them to sing and dance for us. Uh, yep. You know, does that does that feel a bit condescending sometimes? It does. It does definitely. But like. You know, like what, if I'm asked to ever to ever uh, lead worship in that, of course I'm going to say yes because I love it. You know, I love I love using the gifts that God has given me um, to to praise Him. So of course I'll say yes. But at the same time, it's just like, why don't you ask me to do something else instead? Yeah. Yep. Instead of singing and leading worship, why don't you ask me to do something else? Whatever it is within a worship service or, you know, at an event or a gathering, whatever, ask me to do something else apart from what I'm known to do, you know. So, um, yeah, it is a bit condescending and, uh, and you know, it, it's, a, it's annoying <laughs> to say the least. But, you know, I'm not going to pass up on um, on sharing my gifts and talents just because, you know, I don't want, uh, because, you know, I feel like I should be doing something else. Of course, there's so many other things that um, all of our, you know, our um, different ethnicities are capable of doing. But we only see one thing, uh, like, you know, one side of them, and that's the only side that we all, we ever want to see. And there does seem to be that automatic go-to for the... The, the 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 white Anglo leader to go oh we've got uh, we've got these people here let's get them to do to do this yeah um you know instead of actually uh, asking the question what what would you like to bring uh, how would you like to be a part of this yes. um yeah exactly so 
But, you know, I think, uh, uh, what was it? You know, we just got to do better, you know. So as a people, like, it is going to take time. But as, but as uh, you know, Cisco, I think we've said, you know, are we running? We're, I think we've run out of time. Like, got to, the process is too, too, too long. And that's the thing, isn't it? It kind of flips over. So, you know, what we have is we now, we then see riots. We then see um, um, vandalism, damage, destruction of property, yelling on the streets. And that's what makes the news. And and at that point, the same uh, voices uh, from mainstream society that say, "Well, that's not how we how you get things done," you know. Yeah. Or um, if you want to be heard and listened to and respected, you've got to actually be better than than that. Um, and so it's kind of like we won't hear you um, when you're, uh, for want of a better word, behaving in a civilized manner, yeah. and we will condemn you if you actually raise your voice in another way to say, hey, I want it to be different. So in this case, you know, Jodzia's standing there with her new friends at the cocktail party and they're saying, well, they're criminals. You know, mm. uh, how, do, how can we respect them if they're going to behave like this and right? And, and I think, uh, uh, what is it, um, Chris Brenner says the same thing to her. This is criminal action. Um, yeah, what else do to, you call to them? Do that. That's right. Um and 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 it's it was ironic for me because at the same time she was asking him to commit a criminal action to support mm. them, um, and so it was kind of like he's going, you know, am I prepared to sacrifice my standing in position in society in order to allow this voice to be heard, um, or or will I stand back? Um, and you know, fortunately, the outcome here is that. Zuckerberg decides to have a conscious <laughs> conscience and actually allows him so his his business to be at risk in yeah. order to allow the voiceless to be heard, which uh, I, I'm not certain would play out the same way in our um in our in our society today. Yeah, I don't think so too. But even at the same time, he did like he did risk his uh, his license and that to get yep. to give voice to the voiceless. But he also will still benefit from that. Ratings, hey, ratings. Ratings. <laughs> and I feel like it'd be the same, it's still the same with, you know, journos and uh, and people of power and influence nowadays that would help people only if it if it ever benefited them. Yep. You know, in a in a in a in a more positive way to them, um, even if it's breaking the law, but if it still works out to be a good thing for them, they're still gonna do it. So it's really, yeah. you know. Yeah, we do need we do need people of influence and power in society um, that has that pl- those platforms to do to you know to do what Chris Brennan was doing was you know give voice to the voiceless. And the incentive there, you know, maybe they, their incentive is that they will still gain power or money or influence out of doing that. But I guess yeah. they use their voice in a way that that's positive. Yeah. Um. Um. That's a good segue uh, to talk about Gabriel Bell. Um, mm. So, you know, this guy has got no lines. The actual Gabriel Bell has got no lines in it at all. He comes out of the crowd. He helps Cisco and Bashir as they're being attacked by the ghosts. Uh, and and for his um, – he's rewarded for his good deed by being stabbed and killed. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's the moment at which Cisco and Bashir realise – that um, that they they may have just altered history. They may have just changed 
time. Mm. Um, and we get that confirmed for us in orbit where the Defiant suddenly goes, oh, well, the whole Federation is gone. So this Gabriel Bell becomes a, an extraordinarily important person in history who changes the future of the entire Federation. And it's crazy because, you know, because he didn't have any lines in that and and because it was him, Gabriel Bell, the real one, was the one that uh, they named the riots after. He was the the shift um, in society that um, that changed the world, the 21st century. And it almost reminds me of, like, you know, his symbolism, you yep. know. So... So then Cisco takes up because the because they altered the history and he, and Gabriel dies before the event happens. Cisco then takes it up and then he's like, even though it's not him, but the name itself is power yes. that has to be kept, and that's and him as a symbolism for you know for change had to be still in history to rewrite history. So I thought that was very it was a very good writing and you know you can even like. Like imagine if same thing, say Jesus was the Gabriel Bell, you know, yep. Gabriel Bell's the Jesus, and um, you know, and somebody altered history where you know something happened to Jesus. I don't know, just you know, for uh, you know, shits and giggles, but you know, somebody alters that, but then somebody comes along and still keeps Jesus because they understand that Jesus. Is that change? Jesus is that you know the key to everything for for human for humanity itself. Someone has to go to the cross. Yeah. Somebody has to go to the cross. Yeah, yeah. Somebody has to defeat death. Yep. You know, and um, and liberate us all. So I I thought that was that was that was good. In a lot of ways, I find that the Gabriel Bell Gabriel Bell character um uh, is is in similar places to the historical. Um, uh, Rosa Parks. Uh, mm. So Rosa Parks was the the woman who refused to give up her seat on, the bus, on the bus, uh, and her pastor, uh, no, who nobody knew at all, um, Martin Luther King, um, you know, was was there um, uh, to 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 support her and visit her in jail, and and that began the civil rights movement in the United States. Um, you know, imagine if uh, she missed the bus that day. Oh, uh, yeah. Back in time. Exactly, you know, there's, yeah. There's no Rosa Parks. There's no. no conversation. There's no nothing, you know. like So So time travel gives us this really interesting way to reflect on, you know, uh, you know, we, we often don't take seriously uh, how important the small decisions that we might make in, mm. in life could actually have a huge impact on history. Yeah. Um, so being standing up and saying no, this is not fair, or or or, or taking a stand. And in this case, we see that in the Bell character, he um is prepared to stand up for what's right, and unfortunately, in the episode scenario, that gets him killed. Yeah. Uh, anonymously, um, he must have stood up in that same way later on. Um, you know, in the other alternate timeline where he survives, yeah. to 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 create the Bell riots. So there's some stuff to reflect on there about, well, how important is, you know, Sione's decision uh, to, to, to say or do something or Will's decision to say or yeah. do something um, and, and what's, what's the possible uh, expanding future impact of taking small actions? Yeah. And it's crazy because we probably couldn't fathom the effects that you know the the impact that we would have from a small decision or the time where we decide 
now is the time where I stand up and do something or help somebody or, you know, and that would alter everything. But it's crazy also to to see how they've come from the future going into the past. And do you remember that um, when we went away for that Synod Visioning yep. um, retreat and um, and you created that game with Robin on what does the landscape look like? Yep. And, you know, could you imagine, uh, you know, a fair few years from now and say time travel is possible for us and we come back and ask and somebody asks us, well, so what does the, you know, what was the landscape look like now? Like, you know, yeah, yep. you know how, how much, what does it look like compared to what we know now? And, um, you know, and what does the, because sometimes we like to remember the past as something, you know, from our own experience as good or, you know, or just the things that happen in our lives. But if we were to step away, like time travel from uh, from the future into the past and look at it in a way where like, oh, did this, were we like this back then? Yep. Is this what the landscape looked like in the past? Is this what's, you know, um, things that we sucked at, you know? So, and But now knowing better, it would be crazy to, crazy to see. And that's the that's the fascinating thing um, that this episode does for us in terms of the past and the future and mm. imagining is that this episode was released in 1994. <laughs> so writers in 1994 were actually saying, uh, so what's that, 1990? That's 30 years into the future to 2024. Yeah. That's like them, like if they were writing today, that would be like us saying, what is the world going to look like in 2054? 30 years in the future and and you know they they started to they thought about some of the things that might be there so so there were touch screens so yeah. they had this whole uh using a stylus to touch the yeah screen. i saw that so, so you know that that's not too bad that's that's pretty pretty spot on um they still didn't have they didn't envisage in 1994 that we'd have monitors um, that were as thin as they are today. They still built them into the desk. Or as nice as they are today. But but they had uh, plastic um, scanning cards like we've got today, which was good. And money um, on cards too. Yep, money like on credit cards. cards. Yeah. So there were a number of things that they, they were able to do. Um, walls to keep um, uh, poor poorer people away from richer people. So a little bit of the Trumpism there coming in. <laughs> yeah, um, that big wall. So, so 2024, um, you know, there, there were a few things that they, they got right. But, like, I, I think I like what you just said about remembering the past. You know, there's a sense in which when we start to think about time travel, we, we say, okay, well, how could we remember the future? Mm. Um, how do we actually um, uh, allow ourselves to dream of what the possible future might be? And in 1994, they dreamt of a of a very dark future for the 2020s, um, and um, and I mean, uh, unfortunately, um, they're not too far off it. I mean, uh, I found myself seeing that the the man in the hat again reminded me of the uh, invasion of Congress Congress uh, just after the last election, uh, where you know there were all of the uh, the the disenfranchised. Um, 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 people who 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 stormed the 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 Capitol building in the United States. Oh, yeah. Um, you know there were his posture and his behaviour was very similar to some of the footage that I'd seen of of people breaking into that space. Was. Yeah. But it's crazy. Yeah, 
it's a it's a great reflective piece. These um, two episodes, especially for me, as soon as I, I think it was the as soon as they touched down in San Francisco, and then the, the you know the dialogue from there went off, and I was just like, ah, okay, now I see where this is going. Like you know, but um, but yeah, great reflective piece. So there's a there's a bit of comedy in this episode too. Uh, so um, you know, uh, back up on the Defiant in the spaceship, uh, Major uh, Kira um, has to pretend to have a broken nose so that she <laughs> can uh, have not have her alien features. And then they um, went through the ages. Yep. Uh, yeah, and they, they they they've got like five shots at this, so they turn up in the nineteen what fifties. Yeah. Uh, and then they they get given peace flowers in the nineteen. 19- <laughs> 1960s and what and um and uh, I forgot his name, but he's like, don't, like still doesn't say anything. But she's yep. like, oh, thank you, or you know, I've got a broken nose. I was like, told <laughs> you not to say anything. That's right. So so there was a bit of comedy there. So Brian uh, and and Kira doing that. That's it. Um, uh, and and likewise, um, Jadzia has to pretend that her uh, alien marking. So she's a trill. So she's an alien as well. That mm. her markings are tattoos. And <laughs> and, and the guy, the 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 what is he? Chris Brenner says to uh, says to, oh, did you get him in Japan? And she says, oh yes, yes, <laughs> got him in Japan. Yeah, yeah. Or oh, the part uh, when they um where they go because uh, Dax's uh, brooch uh, little uh, com badge has been. Yep taken off her so they yep. go find that guy and then he's yep. like oh, the aliens they'll suck your brains out right through your ears i know you see i'm an alien i thought so but you're a good alien right i'm here to protect the earth from its enemies but i need that piece of jewelry you're holding to do it i understand here you take it Good luck. Thank you. Shh. Don't tell anyone. I won't. I won't. But he recognised that she was a good alien. Yeah, that's right. You know? And I just thought that whole scene was funny. And they just walked away with the combat. Got it Got it back. He gives it, gives it yeah. to them. <laughs> he just gives it back. Yep. Yeah, so so there were lots of those kind of um, uh, fun and lighter moments in the episode as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and and some of the techno babble. So you know, this is a transporter accident episode. Often there are transporter accidents uh, in episodes. Uh, in this particular case, they said that the cloaking device was building up chromaton particles on the hull, which actually caused them to be um, uh, sent to another another time instead of another place. Um, so there's a bit of bit of fun techno babble in there as well. Yeah, I was trying to clue in on those things. I was just like. Yeah, I have no idea, but I know that something broke. And <laughs> yep. yep, and that's what Techno Babble does in Star Trek is they'll come up with a whole bunch of words that actually don't really, really mean anything at all, um, but are actually there to say, oh, look, there's uh, insert science here. Um, yep. <laughs> yep. We, we're not going to explain it any more than this, but this is this is what's happened and, and we have to try and solve this problem. My question is, is there is there some th- scientific theory to the – uh, science babble that they do go on about, like do they use some you know uh, science words? Well, sometimes I think see see uh, see see uh, well, chrom- chronos is actually the Greek word for time. 
Yeah. Uh, so by inventing, I don't think there is such a thing as a chromaton particle, but by inventing a particle that's actually got this chronos word in it, they're actually suggesting that there are some kind of particles of like time. References, yeah. So so they they kind of string together words that might might work that way. Um, I personally, you know, I, I can imagine just how great it would be to actually have transporter um, capability to be able to, you know, uh, step onto a platform in Melbourne and step off in Paris and, and go shopping for the afternoon and then come <laughs> back. Um, you know, like the, the transporter technology itself is a, is a very key part of um, the way the future works. We can be, we can really be connected with all of mankind, like with the transporter. Yeah, yeah, yep. Although it All would also make make burglaries a lot easier to do as well. Uh, if you could just beam <laughs> into someone's house, uh, I'm sure there's going to be rules and regulations <laughs> around something like that. That's right. Yeah. So, so technology always brings with it new new issues and new problems. Yeah, and then we have to go to that to that point to you know figure it out and try to keep them, you know, in safe and good use. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Well, look, this has been a fabulous conversation um, around um, this episode, past tense one and two. We've done both episodes. Uh, it's it's my uh, my plan to uh, uh, I've got another guest on next week. Um, still putting together the final arrangements for that, um, but going to um, rather than just doing part one and saying, "Hey, Sione, it's to be continued. You won't know what happens." Um, <laughs> you know, to do with both episodes, and then next week we'll actually be having a similar conversation. Awesome. Um, as well um, so 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 um, I guess for listeners be prepared for next week for for um, a number of different angles on this episode to be mm. explored um, because I mean uh, you know there is so much more in this that we could have um, talked about today um, that um, we just don't have time for um, but uh, before we go um, Sione were there any other things um, that occurred to you or that you may have wanted to have talked about in this episode um, as we as we come to a close today um, I'm sure there's plenty of I had a couple of lines and stuff written down um, but uh, I'm sure that we'll get to unpacking that next week too with your next guest um and i'm sure the next time i see you i'm probably going to talk about it again so um but for now i think that's that's a good um way to end so but thank you so much for having me on your podcast no it's fantastic it's been great to have you on and uh certainly um i'd be very keen to have you on again especially if uh if you start to become a fan of deep space nine Uh, after watching these two episodes, hey, I'm gonna check them out now. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're all on Netflix. Um, yeah. You can you can find all of our episodes um, of Deep Faith Nine uh, on uh, the website oddrev.com, uh, as well as other blog posts uh, from me. Uh, or you can find them at Facebook's Never Odd or even um, uh, page. Um, uh, or as well as that, you can find them uh, on SoundCloud at Never Odd or Even Media. And if you'd like to support the podcast, uh, then you can do that through our Patreon page, uh, Never Odd or Even Media, uh, where you can support all of the podcasts that run from Never Odd or Even, including Star Trek Voyager, uh, the the Voyager Theological Journey podcast um, that we have with um, co-hosts uh, Lindsay Cullen and Elizabeth Rain. So uh, th- there's a there's a lot of really cool sci-fi, faith and fiction stuff happening 
at the moment through Never Order even. Um, and um, it's really exciting to see and hear from so many of our listeners uh, around the world now um, who are actually uh, tuning in uh, each week to participate. Uh, and I, I, I do say participate because I love to get your messages and comments um, on, on the various places I've just mentioned. Um, and um, and and uh, uh, very keen to be in conversation with you. If uh, you'd like to engage in conversation with us about our episode today, then please leave a comment uh, in in one of those spaces, uh, and um, and uh, be very happy to. Especially considering we're going on next week. If there were particular issues you wanted us to talk about next week, uh, then leave us a message during this week, and uh, we can answer your questions specifically uh, in uh, next week's podcast. Um, but uh, that's uh, all we have time for today. Uh, thanks again, Sioni, for joining me uh, for the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you. And uh, this has been the Deep Faith Nine podcast, and I've been your host, Will Nicholas. Uh, we'll see you again next week for uh, the second um, episode of Past Tense. <laughs>